This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Neve Cavanagh. And I'm Gerald Farrelly. And you're listening to Agony Rants. It's the 9th of May, which means this is Eurovision Week. Do you now, want to sing the song? It's like Easter. It moves around every year. <laughs> the thing that puts most fear into and awe into every Eurovision entrance moment is... It's like a national anthem. Do you feel like you need to do a wee when you hear that? Like the nerve, it's like, I'm just going to have one last wee now before I do it. Yes, yes, there's an element of that. And it doesn't really matter where you are. It just pulls you right back into that green room. Oh my God. Yeah, it pulls you right back into the green room. This this is a Eurovision episode, right? Because we were talking about this, like mm. that we need to, we need to mark like the Eurovision because I know I do take the piss. Yeah, you do. I but do. You're a massive fan. <laughs> well, okay, of I, me, of you, of you, hundred <laughs> percent. But also of the years of the orchestra. Yes, like for me, a pop song played on an orchestra. I, nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Nothing it's, like it's it. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like the Eurovision is this thing that has like it's still with us. And it's changed so much since the days of the orchestra. But it like when I was a child, we didn't, we didn't have reality television. No. We didn't have, uh, you know, X Factor. You were literally watching live somebody's life unfold, changing. <laughs> yes. You know, like, I mean, you, you really were like, it was like yeah. this person who you haven't heard of. You've only heard of in the past six weeks since, uh-huh. you know, they represent your country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, goes out and does this thing and everyone gets behind them like they're scoring a goal. I know. And and yet we all got to watch that as kids and it only happened once a year whereas it happens once a week now with other things. Yes. You know, like. Well, the, the other thing about that was I think to be fair we have the rose-coloured glasses on you know saying that we were always that way about Eurovision but that's not true. It wasn't actually a cool thing to do Eurovision back in the day. So for me getting involved in it um, I was ill prepared for the for what was coming. I think because the backlash. Not not so much the backlash. I, I got a lot of press that started with. So what do you think about the kiss of death? You know, there was a lot of that conversation. Um, <laughs> what and, a know, wonderful start to a know, win! You know, yay! Well, so what do you think about this? terrible thing that you've done you know it has no value apparently but that's not entirely true so you know it's really what you make of it and that's yeah. and that's it you know so you're kind of going oh what's this all about like you know and uh, it, you're working against it but now of course 30 nearly 30 years later everybody's going do you remember when it was amazing and we were fabulous in the Eurovision but actually it wasn't necessarily considered that back then having said that the response to in your eyes uh, and that's my Ex- first experience of it really yeah. um, the response to that was way more than I was expecting like way way beyond what I was expecting I thought I'd go and do a, t- a wee television you know appearance for the national final I and that would be it and uh, I didn't expect people to rec- recognise me I didn't expect you know everything that came afterwards not a single thing and um, I'll be honest with you I loved every minute of it but was slightly befuddled for a while I can imagine. Like, yeah. I mean, did you, like, in the run up to actually doing the thing? Yeah. Because, like, the numbers back in the day, oh, like, was, it was like 300 million. Yeah, watching would it watch. on live TV. But then there was nothing else happening on TV. Yeah, true. You know, it's, it, there was no, there was nothing else what to was watch. on network too? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a big deal. Like, it was. Yeah, it, and it still is. Yeah. And what was it like to be, 
you know, like the whole nerves, like this is the thing that I just can't even imagine. 300 million people are watching you yeah. for three minutes. Yeah. yeah. And if anything goes wrong, uh-huh. it's so public. No, everything's public. Everything's public in your life when, you, when you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Were you rehearsed to death? Yes and no. Yes and no. You know, the, the, yes, of course, you you rehearse. You have rehearsal schedules in, in the Eurovision week or two weeks now. Whether you're doing the one week or the two weeks, you still only have the same two 20 minute slots to rehearse during the week. That's it. Right. So you rehearse twice for the TV. Yeah. Obviously, if you're very professional and you go and rehearse elsewhere in your own room, you start off and the process is you do two 20 minute slots of rehearsals for your song. Okay. Okay. So each country has that. So think about it now. 40 countries need to do that. So, right? Oh, God. That's within the TV. So that's for the TV people. Their objective is to make the show. And then we have our slot, which is three minutes long. So you have to rehearse that. So you do that and then they run the show. So we, by the time you see us doing the show on the night, we have done it three full times. And then this is our fourth show. Okay. In two days. So that happens in two days because it has to. But the the planning involved in that and the crew, it is phenomenal what they do. I mean, I don't know how they do it. And it's a phenomenal organisational feat. But for me as an entrant, that's literally what I have. Two rehearsal slots and then... Four dress rehearsals. Four dress rehearsals. Three dress rehearsals on the show. Yes. And actually then, of course, because we're in the semifinals, you do eight if you qualify. Because you have to do the exact same process for the final as you do for the semis. Oh, wow. So when I did it in 2010, we had the semi-final on the Thursday night or, you know, so we'd already done the three shows based on the lineup for that. And then we had to do another three shows and the final. So by the time I did it on the night for the Eurovision, I had done that show eight times. God, it's so exciting. Like when you talk about it from those, that point of view. Yeah. Like, because for me, the Eurovision was, we got to stay up late. There was crisps. Yeah, <laughs> there was crisps on mine too, but <laughs> I didn't get to eat them. <laughs> I didn't get to eat them because obviously yeah. you don't eat anything that might get in your throat because that's not a good now idea. It's the Irish entrance is just the crunch of a Pringle. <laughs> it's not a good look when you're coughing peanuts over someone. You know, it doesn't add to the performance. I'm not going to lie. That's the thing. Like it's it's those little things that I think of. Like. Like being in a green room waiting to go on and then suddenly you have a popcorn. Because like whenever I have popcorn, I'm 20 minutes later, I'm still like, yeah. there's still kernels. And not only that, like, you, you, you eat popcorn in a way that you actually don't even know you're eating it. Yeah, that's the problem. With <laughs> it's it. in your mouth that, before you realise it. And then it's your Whenever I see popcorn in the green room, I'm like, throw that over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but th- like, it's those little things yeah. that you are, you're, you're, you're doing all of this work for this three minutes that, you, and you have to nail it. Yeah, you do. You I literally think the have pressure three of that. Three well, minutes. Three minutes. That's it. In '93, it was great because I, I did have I had zero pressure. But all I had to do was sing well because okay. we'd won the year before, and at that point, we hadn't started multiple winning. So you just assumed that you're not winning this. Yeah. Well, I didn't assume that we weren't winning. You well, know, I mean, inside, because in I, fairness, this is you. It's like. <laughs> We're going to be bringing this home. I'm humble. I'm humble (laughs) in in my approach as in I'm a humble person. But actually inside. In 93 she was ringing people you want to have the budgets for this now. (laughs) Inside. Inside I want to win. We're bringing this home. We're bringing this home. But but winning for me would have been just doing a good performance. Right. So you know. (laughs) Shush now. Shush now. Because you wanted to talk about the Eurovision this week. Did I? I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. 
he says that like I was the one. I well, in fairness, I did suggest it because no, it's your. I, like it I think it is. It's so important to talk about like because people like I. Like, it's like I, the like, elephant in the like room. I said last every week. week. <laughs> but like I said last week, like I forget that you're good at it. Like I forget. I forget people like you. <laughs> you forget what I do for my job. Is that it? <laughs> I forget what the real thing is. I'm so good at the podcast. And, 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 and the thing about it is that when, when we go through the emails or whatever, yeah. like, there are still so many questions about Eurovision yes. that I just don't put in front of you because I think her head's big enough now to ask things she needs. <laughs> so is that why we only get the ones that I thought you were great, Gerald? Is that it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> they seem to be the only ones we get. Oh, you don't get the... Fo- like, the person that does the brief gets to, to decide what's on it, Neve. That's the way this show works. <laughs> Oh, I know now. Oh, That's you, it. You, there's a lot, oh, abso- oh, absolutely. I, 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 I thought that was very clear. I know, well, I'd be doing my own brief now. I, I, must, I must give you a login to that email account, Neve. I must Yeah, uh, must you'll never that, give yeah. me that, never. Agonyrants.gmail.com if you want to send. <laughs> so in preparation for our Eurovision show, what did you do, Grode? Yeah, we just asked, asked for people for their stories of Eurovision. But for me, it was the equivalent of the uh, cup final. <laughs> Whatever that. <laughs> and you didn't even know back on then. On one of those sports things. <laughs> you, didn't, you hadn't even come out. <laughs> but the signs were there. I'm not going to lie. They were the there. signs were there. Yeah. They were there. I was, I, I was snapping into a demographic. And you never knew. And I never knew. Never knew. Uh, Jen Jam says, got, got in touch and she said, I love the Eurovision. Cheesier the better. Now I have to say, 100%. You're with that? Yeah. Wh- whenever I see like lads in, <laughs> in you know, block coloured vests banging bongos, yeah. I'm like, that's Eurovision. That's what we want. More of that. My question, though, uh, is, you know, the year Mickey Joe went on with We've Got the World. Do you think that's like the Danish winner from a few years before Fly on the Wings of Love? Ongoing debate in our house as himself is Danish. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. Uh, I, I, I love both songs, but don't want to give in that ours is a copy of the Danish one. You should listen to both. And on. One YouTube video of it, one of the commentators from another country in a different language does mention something that we've got the world, about we've got the world tonight after Mickey Joe has sung. Okay. Now, Jen, right? (laughs) I get this and I actually know both songs and I like both songs very much. And I kind of get your concept in the sense that I can see perhaps where this is coming from. We will say that your vision has many genres of songs and quite a few of them fall into those spaces. And, you know, you've the ballad and you've the thing. And you could probably put things, you know, along the lines of, oh, that's the same as. Homage. An homage, homage, perhaps. They're both anthems. I happen to know both of those songs. Okay. And I never realised that they were quite alike. Until she said that. Until she said that. Well, there's a lot of, a few years ago, there was a song called Fuego. Which is um, from Cyprus, right? And it was oh yeah, yeah, you know, and it was one of these summer classics. I saw her rehearse in Amsterdam. Mm. Yeah, she was kicking off. Oh no, <laughs> I'll bet <laughs> there was a lot of kicking off. But there's similar songs like to that over the time because it's a genre of a song. Okay. So there's an element of, you know, is that the same song? That Which came first? Island. Oh, the Danish. Oh right. Okay. Oh, hundred percent. I love that song, "Flying the Wings of Love." It's just a great song. And wow. it's, it was so unexpected in the sense of, you know, it's it was it was like just these two guys just got up and sang. It's a great song, and and you wouldn't you would not not want to sing it. Yeah, but also, you know, 
We've Got the World tonight. It's very similar. It's a similar concept. It makes you feel the same. It's, guitar, it's anthem with it. It's an anthem yeah. and a guitar. Yeah. I don't think it would win an actual copyright problem, but I totally get, you get the same vibe off it. So the, I'm afraid we haven't actually settled that for you. <laughs> but I mean, well, next one now, you're going to read this one because this is from Trish Long. And this is this is very significant to, to your win. Okay. So, Trish, I think I remember you actually. Age 10, 1993, I was in the choir that sang with Johnny Logan the year Neve Kavanagh won the Eurovision. And the funny thing is, I spoke to Johnny la- about this uh, last week when we were at that concert and you talked about the waving flags. And I said, do you remember the time you sang and they had all the kids with the flags walking by? So this is, feels like that. And he looked at me as if to say, I don't remember that happening in my life. <laughs> But it did actually happen. So Trish, <laughs> you and I remember that happening. Uh, it was pre-recorded and we had a rent. We had to rent a video player to record it. Oh my God, yes. All my aunts and uncles and cousins came over, had a party at home, but not a sign of me on the TV. I'm, I've never seen a group of people more deflated. <laughs> <laughs> Neve winning lifted our spirits again, though, as did getting off homework on Monday and everyone clapping us at school assembly that week. I hope Neve's celebrations lasted a bit longer. 30 years, trust me. <laughs> she also, I kept it on my CV. Oh, right, okay. Also, I kept it on my CV for 10 years too long. <laughs> Sadly, my choir didn't have the same international success as Riverdance the following year. Also, well done on the tour. Saw you in Everyman in Cork. Hilarious. Booked for your own show in Everyman now too. Well done. Trish, I'm going to come down to the Cork to watch that with you and you and I'll sit together while we do that. <laughs> Honestly, I do you know what I do remember that I remember the gang of you and I, I I have been that soldier where I've been in something and it hasn't appeared on something and it's really oh, difficult. So I. Difficult. Thank God I won that night. Like there'd been nothing saved. Th- like the power of an edit. I know. You see, I and you know to, because have you say, have the power of. An oh edit. my! Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> he edits. I tell the best stories on this podcast, and he, they don't always make the cut. They're not on brand, Neve. <laughs> not on brand. First time I did the panel, which was a uh, was a panel show oh, in Ireland. The, the yes. very first time I did that, right? Yeah. I watched it with my parents. It's the last time I've ever what? watched a telly with with my parents. It was just horrific. It was like because the panel, the way it used to work was they would record it for about four hours or three hours. So you didn't even know what they were going to include. So you didn't know what they were going to include, <gasps> and it was it was my first time on it. So I was like a. Deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Didn't know it's the first time I've ever done telly. I had to ask Neil Delamere. I was like, "Where do you look? Like, where? What, like, what, what? Where do you look when? Like, what are you supposed to do? do you what was his answer? He told Willie. Well, told me he was just like, just look at the person you're talking to. Yeah, yeah. Which was so in your grand. sight. In your and I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, but I couldn't get a word in. And the producer said to me at the break, she said, "You're not getting a word in. They're not letting you in. So what I need you to do is push your way in, and I'll." I'll, I'll favour you in the edit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fair enough. So I, ha- I so I came across as this <laughs> aggressive, cocky, aggressive. <laughs> it was like yourself then. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> but I mean, she was right. She yeah. was right. No, and, you got to get gave in me there. Kicking the bum. Like, yeah. Um, but I'll never forget watching it with my parents, and they were just like, "Who are you?" <laughs> Listen, I have a better story than that, right? Um, when I did MasterChef. Right. I didn't, I wasn't allowed to tell anybody that what had happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she won. Yeah, okay. I didn't really She told say. me. And do you know what we have to say how you told me? You didn't actually tell me. No. But <laughs> when you dropped me home one day after having a coffee, 
as I was leaving, you flipped the boot open. Yeah, there was a reason for it. I'm going to be honest with this. Because I, the trophy was in the boot. That's what the reason was. I was coming home from the, the competition. I just won it. And uh, I. And she said, I can't tell you what happened. And then she said she pressed the button on her boot when I was walking by and the trophy was in it. Yeah, yeah that's actually, that did happen. But I hadn't told my parents and I actually was in the room when they f- showed the final. Were they proud? Uh, uh, my parents, yes. Mm. Yes, <laughs> of course they were proud. <laughs> they better have been. I, to, I was in the room. They had to pretend, even if they yeah. weren't. <laughs> yeah, my parents didn't feel the need to pretend. <laughs> but as a comedian, is that not your raison d'etre? <laughs> I feel we're not talking about Parental Trish disapproval. I feel we're well, not paying well attention. Well done, Trish. Yes. I, I, that's showbiz, baby. Yeah, that's it is. Showbiz. It is totally it showbiz. Really is. Believe me, speaking to someone One day you're hot, next day you're not. <laughs> that's the way it works, Trish. Oh God! So many wise things. Eurovision sayings. is tough. Do you know what, Neve? Next Eurovision concert, get Trish on with a flag. <gasps> Trish, you could be a flag waver. I'd love it. Oh my gosh! Imagine one. if you could reform it the band. Would be the weirdest, creepiest thing. What if they're a taller than me? Just standing there waving a flag. What if they're all taller than me? If we if we ever do a live show, Trish. Oh, you're coming. Because, I mean, we'll get her to sing the song. You can do oh the Oh my flag. gosh, it'd be amazing. It'd be fantastic. Okay, so um, Mark. Mark, do you have a favourite Irish entry that didn't win? And if so, what won? Terminal 3. <gasps> fantastic call. We were just talking about that. Yeah, Terminal, Terminal 3. 3 by Linda Martin. It's a great That's a song. a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. Banger. Absolutely banger. But no, of course, I'm old school. There's a lot. There's been a lot of great entries over the years for various reasons. But actually, Terminal 3 sticks in my head because who doesn't love it? Yeah. yeah. She has to do that song. Yeah, no, it's great. brilliant. Do you know who mine would be? Who? Do you remember Dawn Martin? Oh, she was great. Is Always Over Now? Yes. Great song. I could tell. And then she was on the front of the paper because she snogged the head off Pat Kenny. Well, that happens. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it's probably just a moment. I don't know. It was yeah, probably they were just it was exuberance. I, I thought she was great. What? She you know was her, great. What happened to her? Don't, no, she, she, I, I don't think she went on to sing a bit afterwards. And I, I haven't. I mean, you know, I went on to sing a bit afterwards too. So you know, I mean, the thing is, you know, what happened? You know, I'm sure she's very successful where she is. I mean, I, I, she's a lovely girl. She was a really fantastic girl. I haven't seen her or spoken to her for a wee while. You know, you kind of sometimes you come across people, and I love that when you do. Um, because we all have that in common. It doesn't really matter whether you won or not. Don, if you're out there. Yeah, give us a shout. Get in touch. I know. Uh, Jason says, favourite UK entry. Okay, so favourite UK entry. That's a, a Puppet on a String. Puppet on a String? I love Puppet on a String. <laughs> that wouldn't be mean. It's because I love singing it. <laughs> Listen, you just start off. I, and you don't have to sing any other note. Everybody's in. Doesn't yeah. matter what age group. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I have to say I do like Sonia. I like the Sonia song. Move away. <laughs> Every time, really, every feckin' time. Excuse Should've my won. French, Should've but won. honestly, Should've every won. single time. Stop she now. Why am I only friends with she people who like day. Sonia better? That's not. No, not do true. you know what I think the best, the best uh, UK entry was? Right, no. this is like from left of field. Um, ugh, the one so good you can't remember it. <laughs> uh, Francis Ruffell. Oh yes, Lonely Symphony. Yes. That was a great song. Yeah, in my head. I'm Could going, you sing that, Neve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I have no idea. Literally blank face. <laughs> that was the what the the UK entry the the, the year after you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Great song. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, 
You should do that. You mean you do a great version? Okay, of lonely. I'm writing it down. Lonely Symphony, France. Lonely Symphony. We will rise. We'll never fall again. So, Brian. Uh, Brian, uh, what was it like waiting in the wings? Were you terrified? Uh, no. Uh, for me. Uh, but waiting in the wings is a funny thing because it's different for everybody and uh, I get very nervous afterwards, which means it manifests itself being I get very manic. So it's it's <laughs> the whole uh, adrenaline rush comes out and I get nervous afterwards. I'm not saying I don't feel a bit nervous beforehand, but you're, you're looking at the job in hand. So in other words, there's a process that you go through. So uh, at, you know, two songs before you're getting your microphone on. So you're moving forward as these things are happening. So what you don't see, you see the songs coming on, but actually there's a very strong where you should be at all times. And somebody's putting your makeup on, somebody's fixing this and you're trying to zone in. And then those last couple of minutes, I suppose the minute, the last minute before you go on stage, everything's checked, everything's sorted. And you literally have a minute to 30 30 seconds maybe of listening to the previous entrant because it, back then it was in ears in 2010 before that you would have just heard it in the auditorium because literally we were on the side of the auditorium and people handed me down uh, stuff from the stands. Was that, was that a lot easier from the in-ears? The in-ears, yeah. The yeah, for the big venue, absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't think it would be because, you know, in-ears are a bit of a funny thing for people but the in-ears were brilliant in the big arena because there's a lot of splashback of sound. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you're much more correct when it's right directly in your ears. The problem is that you don't get a lot of ambient sound so you're just kind of practically deaf in the back (laughs) and so you're not hearing anybody but actually you become very focused on the fact that because you've practiced it three times you're actually just going through the process of what you've already done and then you suddenly find you're on stage and the place is going mental with any luck (laughs) you know but for me a returning queen in 2010 absolutely both my experiences were like this is the girl for us because obviously first time I was the Irish entrant so that was like on home ground ground. absolutely a lot of love in the room and then the next time I came back I was a returning queen a lot of love in the room so I was in a good place both times but you know there is there is a nerve but you know you've practiced it so you have to have a little faith in the process afterwards like a complete muppet that's the truth. <laughs> Declan says, absolutely love me. Best Eurovision song of all time. Thank you, if Declan. If you hadn't won on 93, what other song would you have liked to win? Okay, no secret about this. The Dutch entry. Vreda. Sonia can't get a break. No, she can't. <laughs> the Dutch Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know that one. What was that? Ruth Jakos. Uh, Vreda. Um, Did we meet her in Amsterdam? Oh yeah, it's just amazing. Freda was cool. It was R and B, and she is still banging. I mean, she's still fantastic. And so, right up my street, great pop song, really fab. You know, definitely wonderful performance. Really accomplished performer, great singer. What's not to love about that? Yeah, Wilson, would you ever do Eurovision again? Never say never, Uh, but probably never. No. No, I, I don't. The answer, the question here is not would I ever do Eurovision again. The question is, should I do Eurovision again? You know, I, it, it, there's yeah, plenty yeah, of yeah. young talent coming in. Why would you not allow that to happen? Um, I've had two lovely ch- and I had a wonderful time. I. I'm going to make no secret about the fact that I'd love to go back as part of the delegation because A, I'll get all the loveliness of it, but also I can go out and party because normally when you're singing, you can't even take a drink. You can't do anything. You can barely just get through the interviews and all that sort of stuff. So you can't really be going out. Well, I certainly couldn't because none of my songs were easy. So it's a case of you've got to be well behaved. I'd love to go and really be found like upside down in the uh, (laughs) the Eurovision Club some night. (laughs) Um, Richard. Why, oh why, 
Now, this is my question as well. Okay. Why or why don't we have new music from you, Neve? I'd love another album. Richard, I would love another album also. And I'm actually planning one at the minute. Um, <clears throat> I guess I have had mixed experiences with my album, shall we say. <laughs> um, I've always loved the process of it. I think the practicality of it and the financials of it. And, and I, I'm really keen right now to find music and to record music that really reflects what I'm going to do the next 20 years. Well, it's interesting because you are actually, like, I mean, you can say yeah. this, you are actually recording yeah. at the moment. I am. And I'm, I'm I'm making it quite acoustic at the moment so that I can get the sense of what it is, you know. And, and I think for most people to understand, uh, if you ever see me, you tend to see the Eurovision song, the Commitment song, you sing all the big stuff. But I actually do a lot more than that. I'm a lot more light and shade. And I suppose I just don't want to spend the next 20 years roaring at people. <laughs> 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 I've just spent 20 years roaring at my kids. I'm, I'm quite excited about doing something that is a bit more that I can sustain into my 70s because so, I'm 50s now. So and I'm I fully expect to, you know, because I'll have no pension. So like this is like, <laughs> yeah, she's going to she'll be on the road for life. Uh, life on the road for life. life. So Richard, yes, thank you very much. And I would love I am recording. And actually, if there's any writers out there who want to send me some songs, I'd love to hear them. You know, so absolutely. Just love I to hear them. at gmail.com. Yes, please do. Uh, Garod will vet them. <laughs> yeah, I'll vet them. No, yeah. that's not her. No. <laughs> Love you, Richard. Thank you for asking that question. Tara says, how are you going to celebrate the 30th anniversary of your win? Now... I would be interested in suggestions. I would love to do a concert, actually. And I would love to do a concert that celebrates 30 years of Eurovision. And I may look at perhaps trying to find a song in every year and do a set. Ooh, that would be fun. I think it would be fun. Do you know what I think you should do? Okay. As well as that. Okay. I mean, you can still do it. It's not, you know. Plus, it's I a mean, whole year. Yeah. <laughs> I can do lots of things. There's a lot of things that can happen. I think you should re-record In Your Eyes with the RTE Symphony Orchestra. That's what I think you should do. That's a thought. And I think you should put it out in physicals. Physical. Coin it in, Neve. Rinse it. <laughs> Rinse it. <laughs> There's many ways I can celebrate it. I think I'd like to celebrate it and acknowledge what a wonderful thing it was for me. And, and absolutely I, make a fortune yes, from it. Yes, I'd love that. Uh, but also, <laughs> I think introducing the next phase. I, you know, I did think about actually recording acoustic versions of other songs that... I liked from Eurovision over the years. And just oh, like do, a little EP? Like a little EP of just a couple of really nice songs that I've liked. What would you just, call the EP? I don't know. I don't know. In Euro eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as she said, it's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a song called In Your Eyes, there's a lot of people who think uh, that the first time <laughs> to say... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the pun that they think it is in your eyes <laughs> but you know Tara I, I am definitely going to celebrate it and actually really embrace it because you know how much I love it and I would love all the fans and you know to get behind it and actually if you have any suggestions I'd love to hear them yeah absolutely do again agonyrantha.gmail.com uh, Gav says does Neve realise how many gay kids watched her win and worshipped her ever since yeah well I do because I, I actually might, even Gavin, work with them I think she might <laughs> Yes. And I, I, do you know what? I, I love that. You know, I love that perhaps, you know, I have that kind of quality, uh, you know, of fan. I, I absolutely adore the fans. Like, I really do. And I know it's not just me, right? I know I'm the favourite, let's be honest, after Johnny. Everybody's after Johnny. But, I, you know, I, I know I know that I have a very good relationship with a lot of the fans. I really do. I love yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I really care about them. I, I am the mammy. And of they the do group. love you. Like, I mean, it's very, like, reciprocated. You know, it's very reciprocated. But, but it's also very... 
chummy. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like I'm their ma it's like, or their mate. Yeah. They don't, I'm never I'm never revered like some it's super like, diva. It's, yeah, but it's it's like stardom for a minute. Yeah. And then it's like they're yeah. telling you about their, yeah. you know. I know, it's not about me anymore. No, it's not about you. It's like about the, <laughs> I love know, that though. You know I talk. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Well, Gav, I, you know, it is true. I do realise it. I do realise. But, it, you know, actually, weirdly, you, you won't believe this, not just in the gay community, but I have an enormous amount of people who come up in various kind of areas. It I mean, always surprises me. It's all, it is very surprising to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it surprising is. me. It's, it's different. It's different people from different walks of life. I know. And, and, do you know the ones that are surprised? The ones that surprise me? <laughs> well, the taxi drivers. <laughs> <laughs> the young ones. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, because I remember when, uh, at that concert in Amsterdam, there was somebody waiting for you and we, it was about two o'clock in the morning yeah. when we were leaving the venue. Uh-huh. And I'd say he was 19. Yeah, no, I know. And, and he did get a copy very, of In Your Eyes to Sign. And they I'm get just, very, you know, hyperventilating and all that. It's, it's yeah. Kind of, but it's, I suppose it's a little bit like meeting a bit of history. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I think you need. I know. No, you're but a I, little bit of history. I just you're love, like a, you're like a chalice found in Newgrange <laughs> with less dirt on her. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> Plenty of dirt on you, Nathan. Cheek, cheek. Sean says, "Keep it to yourself." Uh, okay, Sean. Do you think you would have had a career in music anyway if you hadn't won on the night? Well, that's a good question now, Sean. I have to say that is an unusual I question. Say so. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, you. <laughs> You're not involved in this. They're asking me this, right? Just you, you're hating the show. I know you are already. <laughs> Gonna wrap it up now. Okay, Sean. <laughs> not a lot going on. <laughs> believe it or not, uh, it is a very good question, right? I already had a career in the music industry before I started this. Um, but I'm not saying that in a, in a cheeky way. This is very much a two gin and tonics conversation. <laughs> this is a vision, I was very intricate. I could have been big. I could have been big. Uh, <laughs> I was big. Uh, it's your vision that made this me This is small. serious, you. Get away. Uh, but Sean, Sean, basically, uh, I would say, I think I would have always done something in music. Always done something in music. But I might not have been my real job. You know, it definitely... It definitely escalated me into I couldn't keep my good job in the bank up. I might have been the singing banker for quite a long it time. It gave me the springboard. It definitely did. But I'd done the commitments and all that beforehand. So there was an element of, yes, I'm on my way. But actually, um, you could say, would you have done things uh, differently? Would you, would this, you know, everybody has those questions in their lives. You know, am I glad this is the way it is? One million percent. It's worked out well. I know. I know. I haven't had to work for a living for such a long time. <laughs> Thank you, Sean, though. I really appreciate that. I suppose the biggest question is, do you think I would have had a career in the music? Do you think I have a career in the music industry? <laughs> That's much more valid question. <laughs> like, if actually, if you want to do, if you want to send in more of these... <laughs> Send in more questions. This is the best. By all means, do. <laughs> I'm going to be stepping back from the show for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Until this carnival of insanity has ended. <laughs> we are pausing for a moment to remind you that Agony Rants is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you would like to support the show, you can do so for as little as €5 a month by signing up to Headstuff Plus. As well as supporting the show and us, Headstuff Plus membership will give you access to our bonus content and also bonus content from every other show on the Headstuff Podcast Network, including this brilliant show which we're here to tell you about today, Fad Camp. 
Fad Camp is hosted by Grace Mulvey and Connor Dowling, and it is a show about diet culture and why we all go a little bit crazy as soon as we start to talk about dieting. So if you've ever been on a diet, if you like comedy, if you like fun, if you like enjoying yourself, well, Fad Camp is the podcast for you. Fad Camp is a comedy podcast about the ridiculousness of fad diets and diet culture, hosted by me, Grace Mulvey. And me, Connor Dowling. If you have a body of any kind, chances are you've crossed paths with at least one of the bizarre diet trends we cover in our show. And between me and Connor, we have done nearly every fad diet there is. Juice cleansing. Fasting. The potato diet. Which is actually a real diet, by the way, and we don't recommend it. So join us as we try to make sense of the madness that is diet culture. Find Fad Camp everywhere you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fad Camp Podcast. But now we have a problem to completely ruin the mood. Okay, come on then. <laughs> uh, dear Neven Garot, thanks for all the laughs. I'm really enjoying the podcast so far. It really does cheer me up on the bus every Monday morning. I only realised how much I enjoy it the week you were off sick and I was in terrible form all day. Oh, Anya, you're now my new favourite person. Wow. It's true for it. So I've been working in the same company for 20 years. I'm very comfortable here and I know everyone. There is great flexibility and I can come and go as I please. About a year ago, I completed a master's in communications and I've moved into that role in the same company. The problem is I'm a bit bored. There is a part of me that is hungry for change, but at the same time, I'd hate to regret... Jesus for someone, that, for someone that works in communications, you could throw in a few commas. <laughs> she didn't say she had a degree in grammar. Right, come on. There is a part of me that is hungry for change, but at the same time, I'd hate to regret a move. Comma. I know there will be more pressure and it'll be hard to get to know everybody in the new place. A nightmare scenario is I go there and can't get to grips with it and end up isolated and unable to do the work. What do you think I should do? Okay. That's from Anya. Anya, first of all, you've got great taste. <laughs> Fabulous taste. It sounds like you're in a really great place. I completely understand that. And sometimes when you're in that space, I find this sometimes at times in my life where I've worked on a project and the drive to work the project keeps you going and excites you and moves you and it gives you great satisfaction. And then you get to a point in your life where everything is working as you wanted it to. And so it feels like you're treading water for a bit because yeah. you need to. You need to. And actually, yeah. it's really good for you to do that for a little bit. But if you're a certain personality, you're going to need the next project. You need the next challenge. And the thing is, because you've been doing this quite a long time, you are safe and comfortable where you are. And the thing is, the big step off is always difficult. Yeah. Always difficult. But and it doesn't always work. So I'm going to be very brutally honest. It doesn't always work. Yeah. However, it doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. Great advice. That's great advice. And Is that you know, it then? Yeah, Are we finished the show? I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I mean, we, there's a real, we have a real like type of problem that we get. Yes. Like it's either affairs <laughs> <laughs> or people unhappy at work. Yes. It seems to be a thing. Are, are, but, they, are we bringing that out in them? I think <laughs> Um, I, I, I'll i tell you what will happen on you, right? Mm. You, this, and this, I think no matter what job you get or whatever your next mm. step is, right? It, unless it's in the same place, what will happen is you'll go into a new job yep. and you're going to panic. Yeah. Because briefly, 
How, quite briefly, you won't be able to do the work and everything will be new and you won't know the people and you definitely will feel isolated. And they're all normal, and proper things. They're completely normal and that's what happens when you go into a new job. Sure. Uh, and what you you have to do is you have to give yourself six months at least or a year to find your way through that. To work up to being what they want in that role. Yeah, and actually oh, this is really, really important. Yeah. The thing is I do it regularly because I'm thrown into different projects all the time. Yeah, because it's part of the nature new, of what the, I do. The nature, yeah. When you're self-employed, everything's new all the time. All the time. New environments, new people, new things always happen to prove yourself. As a matter of fact, the more established you are as a person in the field, you then also have more to prove in your head yeah. and to them because the expectation is high. And that is difficult. I've often thought about this. Like, do you want a job where you're passionate about it mm. or do you want a job where you can coast. So what's your life? Is your life in work or your life outside of work? Well, I would suspect that she's not necessarily coasting where she is, but she's become accustomed to how to do it. There's two yeah. way, there's two solutions to this. You either bail and do something creatively in your career or you find a way outside of your career to actually get that similar feeling. Maybe if you look at taking a challenge on outside of work for a little bit just to get used to the feeling of doing something different, it might balance it out a little bit more. You know, I'm I'm only looking for suggestions. To be fair, my instinct is always to go, if if your instinct is, I really want to do this, then you do it wholeheartedly. And I really believe in that. I really, really believe in that. I think you have to really look at that. It doesn't matter what the outcome is then. Because you will survive it if you've yes. made that decision with your instinct. If you make the decision, don't let anybody else make that decision for you. 100%. Do not make any decision that doesn't involve your instinct. And I, I would say do it. I would say go. I think if you're, you know, I think they'll be sad to lose you where you are. I mm -hmm. think if it doesn't work out in a couple of years, you can go back. Okay. But the chances are you probably won't. Yeah, but the other thing is, if you have a master's in communications and you're as good as your job, appears to be on this situation. If you take the jump, you'll always have work. Yeah. I, d I don't think you have anything to worry about. Do you as know long as you don't require your a problem, promise. I think that the only problem Anya has is that she's been in the same place for 20 years. I think that's the problem. Like she's like she's somebody yeah. who has, she found something else she wants to do. Mm. She went after, she got qualified in it. She, she then got that type of role mm -hmm. in her own job. Yeah. So you're a go-getter. You you make all those changes anyway. You yeah, and actually I What are you wasting our time for, Anya? <laughs> you're talking about the Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, but th this is like the Eurovision conversation. I went back in 2010. That was that involved a decision. You know, and lots yeah, of people a... said, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, you might not win again? And you know, there was a lot of risk involved in that. Like, <laughs> and I, you I, said, I'm gonna win. Mark my words. <laughs> yeah, didn't well, quite well, work well. out. <laughs> I, well, I qualified. Well. Move, move out she of the space. She qualified. And she qualified. I, I didn't have to deal with the Sonia conversation in 2010. But actually <laughs> the constant Sonia. Um I, I no, Who were move the away two from that the played the piano. The Romanians. You, no, the ones Paula that, Anovi. They were my favourite in 2010. <laughs> Anyway, uh, moving back to Anya. Anya, let me tell you something, right? Um, there's always risk. There's always risk. But if you believe in what you're doing, then you're going to have some fun. And actually, you don't want to leave yourself completely open that you can't, there'll be too much free fall. But the truth is, you will survive it. You, and you're you managed, well able for it. You'll be grand. You, you've managed to achieve all of these things. If you're hungry for it and you really do believe you want the challenge, just go for it. Yeah. And you know what? Don't let this doubt that you have in yourself affect your confidence going into interviews. You go in there and nail it. You lay it on the line, right? You're 
Do you know what you're after here? Big, big change. Big. That's what you want. A big hefty chunk of coin <laughs> when you move jobs, right? You're leaving something somewhere that's very comfortable so you get something brilliant to go to. Do you interview well? I'm terrible in jobs. <laughs> I'm absolutely <laughs> abysmal. <laughs> I... I, I am absolutely I think we've had this conversation. horrific in an interview. I'm, I'm terrible. I, I absolutely go to pieces. What happens to me is I go in, right? <laughs> I go into an interview. I make them regret me. I'm completely me. underconfident. I hate myself halfway through. And then I completely turn on them and get resentful that they've made me hate myself. <laughs> so I go in there. <laughs> I go in there cowering. And I come out like a snarling bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know what happens. Like I remember, I remember doing one interview and them walking me out to the gate. And the woman from HR was just like, "I don't know what happened in there, but it was not attractive." <laughs> well, so Anya, maybe don't take any advice off him. But actually, what he said is true. In the wrong field. <laughs> I I got, I've got every job that I've interviewed for. I interview, really? I interview so well. Sometimes I get a better job than I'm supposed to win. However, I can't always back it up with I the don't, job. I never. Uh, yeah, and and to be honest, obviously as a as a singer, that's slightly different now. But you know, I think interviews are all about you know being kind of positive, and really, you do have to kind of say you really want me, but in a way that they don't feel that you know you're over confident. You have to make them want you and regret you the minute they walk out the door. I always think. The one on the panel whose face you can read. You know, the one that... Yeah, well, I mean, one. it doesn't happen in your interviews, but <laughs> the one that cannot hide how appalled they are by your answers. <laughs> <laughs> they're always the one I think I could be friends with. Yeah, yeah. They probably are their mates. Anyway, so Anya, go for it. But more importantly, fly free. Enjoy the journey. Fly on the wings of love. See or how I did that? the world tonight. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> Listen, thank you for listening. And if you have more Eurovision questions or want to tell me how amazing I am at any given moment, you need to send them to me directly because, quite frankly, Garot is not sending them to me. One more week of this bullshit. (laughs) We're going to talk about Eurovision next week. Then I go in the bin. We're going to talk about Eurovision next week. We would love your comments. The Eurovision. Yes. This year's. The Eurovision. I haven't heard a single song. (laughs) I'm going to send you links. You're going to be bombarded. There's some good stuff in there. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to talking to you next week, especially if it's all about me again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, We really appreciate you and we absolutely love doing this show. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.